Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today my guest is comic and actor Roy Wood Jr. You know him best for his work as a correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. But starting October 29th, you can see Roy in his third one-hour stand-up special titled Roy Wood Jr. Imperfect Messenger. I gotta say, I was a big fan of Roy before I talked with him, and I'm an even bigger fan now. This interview was recorded at the beginning of September over the internet, so please forgive any audio weirdness. Well, I want to start off by saying that we have something um, in common. We're in the club. We're in the junior club. Roy Wood Jr., Patrick Joseph Holland Jr. Um, I want to ask you, are you a sequel? What, what number are you? I am a legit junior, but then I did an episode of Finding Your Roots where I found out that my grandfather, whose name I never knew because he was dead before I was born, was also Roy Wood, but he didn't have a middle name. I don't know if black people weren't allowed to have middle names in the 1800s when he was born or whatever, but he is Roy Wood. My father is Roy Norris Wood in honor of you know some other relative on that side. And then I became Roy Norris Wood Jr. Wow, that's so much cooler than my name. And it <laughs> stops with me. I'm not, I named my child Henry. <laughs> regular name. I say, was there a time where you're like, oh, maybe I got to try to figure out, do Roy, if I have a girl, maybe like Rayette or something. <laughs> like, how would you do that? <laughs> oh, what, like pull a George Foreman and go Georgette, Georgina, Georgiana, what, Georgiana? Yeah, Georgiana, and like the thing, like uh, my mom could barely get our two names straight. I can only imagine if you had the same name for all your kids, you know, like your kids. <laughs> Deion well, Sanders did that too. Deion, DeAndre, DeAndre, Deion Jr. I used to remember them all because it was, it was a joke I used to do about like if he'd had 10 kids, what would that 10th one? DB, Deion, Deion. Like at some <laughs> point you have to like, at some point you have to like stop having sex because you're out of variations of Deion. Yeah, or like, uh, or or the the children are old enough now that it's like, father, seriously, like you know, <laughs> this is a Dion intervention. It's like, dad, stop it. And how do you yell at your kids if they're all name, have the same name, even if they're like riffs on Dion? You can't just yell at your kids. <laughs> I, I think you have to say like, number one, <laughs> get down here right now, number one. <laughs> and then it becomes like a whole Star Trek thing at that point you know <laughs> number one <laughs> you know i say that to my son sometimes seriously when i ask him to do something i say make it so so polite of you he's five he doesn't know what the reference is from he doesn't get it but but still, still five like that's like that age where they're like independent enough to be independent but they're still like adorable and sweet and don't quite have eye rolls down you know yeah, they're they're old enough to be independent but too stupid to do it right <laughs> like like you can you can take a you can use the bathroom without me but you're not going to hit the toilet <laughs> so it's like good news bad news well i want to ask you there's so much to talk to you about and um i've been a fan of your work uh not only on the daily show as a, uh, as a writer and as a stand-up so there's like you as the person, you as the father, and then you have a stand-up personality. Do you have a social media personality you put on, or is that really like just raw, unadulterated Roy? Social media is me, but only in my happiest and purest forms. For the most part, if you go through my social media feed, 
I don't express anger. I don't express disappointment. I consider those emotions to be private. And so more often than not, I'm just not going to talk about those things. I'll retweet people that echo my sentiments and things like that. But for the most part, social media for me is a place to unplug. So the stuff that I post is going to match that. Like I, like I almost in a weird way, this is going to sound ungrateful, but it's not. When the daily show posts stuff and tag like post my segments from the show and I'll retweet those. Those are the days I sometimes dread on Twitter because I know there's going to be a bunch of arguing in my mentions. And it may be a day where I just didn't want to fucking argue. I just wanted to come on here and talk about fantasy football. And I opened my phone to 48 notifications of all types of chaos. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> this was not what I wanted to do. And I, I wonder though, like for some of us, you are also that, that opposite of chaos. Cause you're very, you've seen, like, if I feel like if we got stuck at an airport, I would kind of get a very similar person that I'm, I'm seeing on percent. Twitter being kind of silly, being kind of poignant, sometimes sweet and irreverent. Yes. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm all of those things. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not quick to get into discord. Also, the other reason why, if I got a political joke or something that's a little more incendiary if you will why the fuck would i waste that joke on twitter when i work at a television show that gives me a platform so i'm gonna save that tweet and pitch that tweet in the writer's room or pitch that tweet when we're on set shooting because to me that's where you have an opportunity to reach more people and do more things you know with your content and your thoughts and so you know for the most part my Twitter is terrible pop culture and sports opinions. And I stand by 90% of them. <laughs> Only 90%. <laughs> and food too. I'm also, I'm always running my mouth about food. And I think that's the other connection I have with you. And I know I'm not the only one who uh, uh, kind of got obsessed about the coalition and your, <laughs> your amazing series of fried chicken, uh, um, crime and, yeah, and drama Sopranos, but each chicken sandwich is a different crime family and they're all conspiring against Popeyes because Popeyes is coming to town and cutting to their market share too much and so it's yeah it was just a stop motion it, that's literally what the early days of the shutdown were <laughs> me, was just making chicken sandwiches talk to each other where does one need to live to have access to a menagerie of chicken sandwiches like the ones you feature in the coalition? It, it, it lined up perfectly that I was able to get chicken sandwiches from West Coast chains and East Coast chains and down South chains all within a matter of two weeks because I was just booking, <laughs> just the routing of my stand-up shows worked out perfectly. And I remember I did an episode of Better Call Saul and they shoot in Albuquerque. And I just remember one day sitting outside my hotel room and I looked outside the window and I saw a Carl's Jr. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't have a Carl's Jr. And so I would just go buy a chicken sandwich. Now, of course I would eat the sandwich, but you keep the wrapper and then the movie magic, you just get a hamburger bun to hold the shape of the actual wrapper. 
and I went to Wendy's and you, you buy a big, big, like I was down south and yo, I was in the Atlanta airport. There's a Bojangles in the A terminal. That's how I got the Bojangles biscuit. It's also why I didn't have a Bojangles chicken sandwich because it was morning. They weren't serving it yet. So I had to have a biscuit, which made me laugh because the conversation is always, is a, ch- is a chicken biscuit a sandwich or is it a biscuit with meat? It's like the whole is a hot dog. I think anything between two pieces of bread is a sandwich. You put a shoe between two pieces of anything floured, it's a sandwich. I also Uh, think Southern, I think Southerners uh, have pretty steep opinions about biscuits, though, especially a biscuit open or a biscuit like gravy or biscuit sandwich. You know, yeah, biscuit, wet biscuits, dry biscuits. It's Mm -hmm. definitely a different situation down there. But yeah, that was just a thing that it made me laugh. I grew up an only child. I mean, I have a lot of half siblings and stuff, but I grew up alone talking to my GI Joes. And this was just basically indicative of the type of childhood that I had. And I guess clearly I'm still a kid. I just made sandwiches, talk to each other. I made them kill each other, you know, rallies, you know, Burger (laughs) King killed rallies, AKA checkers. (laughs) Uh, but no, I was I was getting ready to do more of those, and then the shutdown happened, and I'd, I'd had the luxury of being able to like when you're a grown man doing a chicken sandwich drama in your house, you have to do it at one in the morning when your girlfriend <laughs> sleeps, so she doesn't stare at you with this confused look of why are you doing that. Shutdown happened. We're kind of being around each other a little too much, and I was like, all right, let me at least look like a responsible adult and do computer work. And the coalition died. Um, I should bring it back. Everybody keeps telling me to bring it back. Well, it's also one of those things like, or do you go out like, yeah, we it it was strong. I mean, I have faith in you that you could probably pull like a second season of it um, off. But the hype is gone. The hype around the Popeye sandwich. I should have never stopped is probably the bigger issue but i'm a one-man crew bro i'm casting i'm doing technically makeup because i'm making the rappers all nice and neat and then i'm doing all the editing and then i gotta write the scripts it's it's well, too much i say if the sopranos can do a like a prequel reboot i i, I feel maybe there's there's something you could follow in this for steps too <laughs> but yeah that was that was that was fun that, that was fun to do i probably should have stuck with it but uh, speaking about the pandemic uh one of the things i've learned about you is you have a couple podcasts yourself um and yes. um what, let's talk about roy's job fair Ah, yes, Roy's job fair. So it's just talking to people about shitty jobs that they've had, scams they've seen run, while at the same time discussing employment opportunities in whatever industry. Like we had a whole episode about cannabis and we spoke with a bunch of black women about how did you get to that place? How did you get the license? What is it like to sell? We like, And we just go deeper and deeper and ask these weird and curious questions about people's jobs because I really do feel like there's certain there's there's common connectors between all of us as as human beings even if we go beyond the borders of america and one of those connectors is the ability to provide for yourself and that's no different than your desire to eat it's no different than your desire to have sex i don't care what your sexual orientation is there is a hole for you so the same way (laughs) 
I should put that on a shirt. Say, man, we're at TM that right now. <laughs> hey, man, I love everybody. All right. There's a hole for everybody. There's a hole for everybody. Um, at the end of the day, employment is something that connects all of us because we've all wake up with a desire to how do I get a dollar today? Or how do I save a dollar today? Where can I get a dollar? And, you know, we try to have a podcast that answers all of those questions and do it funny and crack jokes and stuff like that. And I don't know, it's, it's just, you know, like it's, it's something I've always been interested in is that part of the human condition. You know, I worked in a restaurant. Um, I worked mostly in restaurants because it was free food. Um, and the thing that I always observed was how different everybody's journey was to get to that place and who they were on the other side of working at that restaurant, you know? So those things are just always near and dear to me. So that's what we do, man. We, yo, we spoke with some people who created OnlyFans accounts. And then the next episode, we could be talking to an executive from Waffle House, talking about how you can become a manager at Waffle House. And then we're talking to a woman who can teach you how to become a coder in Silicon Valley without a college degree. You can teach yourself on YouTube to get a six figure job. So it's those weird moments of discovery and things. And it's just, it was a podcast. The reason why it came about. So last year during the shutdown, this podcast, we're not old. We just started in February of 2021. Is that the year? Yeah, that's the year. year it is. Yeah, it, that's like two years ago, but it's a year, same year we're it, in. Fe February 2021 literally feels like five years ago. <laughs> so last year during the shutdown, I had a I had a friend, and he was a lobbyist for the cannabis industry, and his only function in life was to talk to people in the cannabis industry about opportunities and cannabis and. And he, he was the guy that would go to the politicians. I can't say what state he was in, but he was the guy that would go to the politicians and wine and dine them and go, have you thought about weed? When are you going to legalize weed? You know they should leave. Everybody's doing weed. Shutdown hits. All of the politicians are scared. Restaurants close. Golf courses close. There's nowhere for him to go and wine and dine these people. During his downtime, he became a gospel singer. And put out what so it's like how do you go from weed to Jesus? But he figured it out. And so he's walking me through everything that happened that got him to that place. And all I could think was, Yeah, somebody needs to hear this story. Bing podcast idea. Well, and that, that and like where did the when did the singing come in too? Like, is he is he just always been like a singer? It's, he's all yeah. It's always been in him. That's what he said. Jesus, oh. the Lord, has always been in me, and I just never until the shutdown had a chance to really explore my true gift. I'm happy for him, man. I, like it's there's so many people that are afraid to pivot, or they need to know how to pivot. You know, we, we really are, when we really look at it, man, we are really in the first, a lot of us are the first generation of dream chasers in our family. And so you may not have had an example of how to even get from first base to second base or how to even get up to the plate for your opportunity. So the podcast is a place where we host a lot of people that at least have gotten to second base and what they were doing. 
And so if you listen to us talk to him, maybe it'll help you. And if not, you just get a good laugh. We had a postman come on. He walked us through everything with the postal service. Did you know that crack houses still get like certified mail and they have to knock on the door? No, I did not know that. The, I didn't like legally you have to knock on like you can't just go, well, that's a crack house. I'm not going to deliver this letter. No. Nor rain, nor sleet, nor crack rock <laughs> shall stop us from del- or whatever is engraved on the front of that building in DC. Pretty you sure that's what, what it is. About. I'm pretty yeah, sure that's the postman's motto. Nor rain nor hail shall stop us, but maybe a crack house that seems a little seedy. And he was telling <laughs> us about it. Like just just plain as day. Yeah, man. Crack house got mail. I knock on the door and somebody signs for it. Where are What's you so important that you have to get it delivered to your crack house? Who's the person sending it to the crack house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, these questions. Well, then how are you meeting the people uh, uh, besides like the uh, the cannabis lobbyist turned gospel singer? How are you meeting these people or how are you finding your guests? I just reach out to people on Twitter. I just put out, I'll just put a flag up on Twitter. I'll throw up a tweet. Hey, you hate your job. Did you hate your job? You want to come talk about it on the record? send me a dm and that's kind of how we started up the first probably i'd say because it's three it's three guests per episode and i'd say probably the first four or five we kind of had to do open solicits but now it's all incoming you know people who listen to the show and want to contribute and be a part of it and you know i think that's the part that's so dope is that we're slowly building a community and you know with a podcast it, it just takes time and repetition and that's what we're going through right now but uh, the response has been great, you know, from people. The timing of this podcast, I can't help but know there's like every freaking news channel is like, like there's not enough people f- to fill all the jobs. And there's people who want jobs who aren't taking jobs. And I feel like there's this missing like realization that maybe this, the way we have things set up is broken. And that's why people don't want to take those jobs that were there before. And as yeah. someone who has been in the service industry, um uh i was a very talented theater actor roy and a very talented barista and a very talented uh x-ray file temp you know so i understand the need to make a living and chase a dream but i just wonder like how does that parallel do you think this time with your podcast coming out at this time too well it definitely you know the idea the ideation of it was when unemployment was at a peak when there were almost 30 million unemployed people and now the podcast has become a place for information on ways that you can take that power back not only we just had a woman on less than two episodes ago i think like within the last one or two episodes who was talking about the things that employers can do to entice employees to want to work there because now a living wage and benefits is not enough. It's got to be quality of living and the type of amenities that you provide someone, whether it's paternity leave. There's a lot of places of employment now that are experimenting with same day pay, where you get half of your money today when you go home so that you're not waiting and starving and waiting for that paycheck that you have to race to the bank before 4 p.m. so that the deposit hits that night so that all your auto drafts don't come in and you over with you know with overdraft fees so there's little things that employers can do and then there's things that employees can do and that's all we're trying to kind of facilitate is just be a place of information but i just think it's the thing that i found most interesting over the journey of this podcast is just how much COVID impacted employment 
and how much it impacted it for the better and just the constant cat and mouse game like like okay like so in the 80s right everybody got speed detectors in their car and you would mount it on the dash so you can know when the cops were hiding up the road to give you a speeding ticket with their radar gun so you got a radio speed detector then the cops got speed detector detectors and they, they switched to laser gun they switched from radar to laser and then we bought laser detectors and then the cops got laser detector detectors and, and like just this constant leveling up so it's something similar that's happening in employment like with work at work from home well work from home yeah we want you to work from home because it saves us money and we don't have to pay for a building hell yeah work from wait a minute their productivity is going down because they're at home okay everybody has to come okay half of you have to come in wait a minute even when they work from home they're outsourcing their job to other people overseas and now working two jobs concurrently okay new rule you have to have a vpn active terminal thingy and we have to be able to see your screen at all times and you have to press a button like a cocaine monkey in a cage every 15 minutes to verify that you're still present at the like the level of cat and mouse that's starting to happen between employee and employer i think is very interesting but i think it's great because now employees finally realize that they had the power all along and these companies are gonna mcdonald's is offering ipads and shit if you come aboard please come to mcdonald's we'll give you a phone and we'll pay for they're paying for college college tuition reimbursement if you work here a year god damn it we'll 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 cover them 13 credit hours that wasn't happening pre-covid The impending, the upcoming, the the magnificent off record. This will be your third hour long comedy special on Comedy Central. Yes. I want to start with the stupidest question. I'm probably going to ask you: How do you come up with a what is a good title for a stand up special? I feel like it's kind of like got to be like a like a like an album name for like a band, you know? Yeah, I think it for me the title encapsulates the tone of the material. So my first special father figure, if you go back and look at that, for me, that was really an undercover message to my son on here's how I view the world. I can't tell you how to view the world, but here's how I view a bunch of things and here's how I, here's what I think about them. You know, in a weird morbid kind of way, it's very much, hey, in case I die before we have these conversations, here's some jokes about these things that I think as a black person in this country, you should consider anything about whatever. Second special is titled, No One Loves You, which to me was about the serious level of insincere sincerity that exists in this world where we think people care about us when the truth is most people put themselves before anyone or anything else. And the topics kind of, you know, reflected that or whatever and then this one i settled on imperfect messenger in the sense that i here's some ideas that i have for everyone but i'm probably not the right person to be saying all of them 
but I will acknowledge that up front. I'm trying to just make some points that even if you don't agree with me, you know that I'm not perfect when I come to it. The original I the original title for the special was White Draws. And Comedy Central Legal was not. Whoa, because God. White Draws tell the truth. There's no garment more honest than white underwear. Whatever you think you are, whatever residual self-image, whatever vision of perfection you think you are, when you get home and you take off them white draws, you know the fucking truth about who you really are. And there's a little dirt on you. We all got a little dirt on us. And it's easy to forget that because at some point in your life, you graduated to blue draws and green draws. And then you started going commando just raw dog in your jeans because you don't want to know anything at all. Like those are the people in the biggest denial, people who just no draws at all. Um, but yeah, the network was like, we don't know if that title completely <laughs> captures the essence. <laughs> also, that's a hell of a promo photo that I didn't want to take. <laughs> well, I'd say, yeah, what would that poster look like? <laughs> like a lot of Photoshop work. Well, and I think that would bookend well. You should just hold on to that title because that would bookend well with uh, There's a Hole for Everyone, you know? I think that would yeah, be a good follow. Everybody has a hole. Everybody White has a draws. hole. White draws. White draws. Everyone has a hole. <laughs> Everyone has a favorite hole. Everyone has a favorite hole. <laughs> this is writing itself. Um, <laughs> well, I want to ask you a little bit about putting this special together because clearly we're coming, we're still in the pandemic. Um, I imagine some of this is being put together during the pandemic. Um, yes. Are you the type of stand-up who you kind of kind of like outline things out and try it out? Or are you someone you riff, riff, riff and like hone it down? No, I don't write on stage. What you're talking about is, you know, comedians that are a little more explorative and improv on stage and they can find it. Honestly, there's no difference. I'm just backstage talking to one comedian, you know, in the special, you know, we cut away a little bit to me talking with uh, this woman, Paris Sachet, who opened for me this, this past year on the tour. And we're just ping-ponging ideas. And, you know, sometimes you can get on stage and create run-on sentences. But for me, I, that's just not my style. Also, I tend to swim in waters that can sometimes be a little treacherous from a topic standpoint. So I have to be very specific about my wording. Because if you do it wrong, it's it doesn't quite like like even like there's a whole bit where i just talk about how you know when we look at politics in this country you know dead white women have a way of keeping an issue at the top of the political conversation left and right you had a dead white woman in charlottesville you had a dead white woman at the capitol both of those issues are still percolating so you know black people if we want to have the conversation about rights, what we really need, we need at least one person to die for, we need what, and so it's a weird abstract joke, but that ain't the type of shit you can just freestyle and find the moment. You got to, also that's the type of joke that you can't do until a mile marker in your set where you've earned the audience's trust. And they know that you don't really mean that and they know that you don't really want someone to die it, like I'm not wishing death like so you have to kind of play around with that so for me my writing process is very much 
you do a lot of showcase sets and you write wild jokes. But if you think of jokes as groceries, you can go to a store and just buy all of the groceries. And then those are all the jokes that you know work. These are the premises that work. And then you sit down and through all of the new material that you have, you just from the left margin, from the left column to the right column, assemble. For me, I choose to assemble a cohesive train of thought. Okay, let's talk about black people and ancestors and and forefathers and the difference between how you know there's you know ancestors and forefathers let's talk about white allies well that segues nicely into police reform and the slogan defund the police well if we're going to talk about that this is the spot to talk about police brutality and then let's talk about ben crump and if we're going to talk about that then let's talk about firefighters and the national guard now we've got a nice little ch and so once i have that in our crosshairs then i can figure out ways to match all of it up so it feels like it. I enjoy I enjoy doing comedy that feels like a seamless conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. Roy, what's your current obsession? Emulators. That's my obsession. Emulators. Video game emulators where you can essentially download any video game ever created, pretty much from PlayStation all the way back to Atari. You name it, I've played it and it has been the most cathartic relaxation that I have found. Like all my buddies talk about edibles and CBD oil and all of this shit. No, my friend, have you played Super Mario Brothers 2 on a MacBook Pro with a PlayStation <laughs> controller? That's relaxation. And it's, it. and I gotta give a shout out to the homie Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show before we moved into the new building in Times Square, we shared an office for five years. And Ronnie and I would just talk about stuff all day. And I had bought, at the time, I bought one of those Nintendo Classics. Now, mind you, when, when Nintendo came out with that Nintendo Classic with all the, like, it was just 30 fucking games on it. That was a must have item. Like that was the Popeye's chicken sandwich of video games in 2017 or 16, whenever it came out, maybe it was 2016. Like I snuck and left work to buy the shit. Like rehearsals at two o'clock, it's one o'clock. I go, Ronnie, just cover for me. I'm meeting a dude off Craigslist in Times Square. And I got him, why are you going on? Why are you gonna go get murdered for a stupid video game when you could just get an emulator? And I'm like, what is that? And then he walked me through it. And I was like, yo, this is cool. This is cool. Like I am, I, I own a PlayStation 5 and I've only played it three times. That's what's how the, I am. I say with the emulator, what's like, do you remember the first game you, or first game you're able to play or pull up on um, a computer or phone? 
for with the emulator or just yeah. in general with an emulator with the emulator it was bases loaded one <laughs> like because like, the first thing you do when you have the ability to play any video game that was ever created since 2001 you're gonna go back to your childhood because that's all you do as a 40 year old 42 year old man you just want to go back to your happy place and that's what look i got it pulled up right now bases loaded bases loaded to excite bike nba uh, live 95 which was the good one joe montana sports talk football 93 Madden 98, the Tecmo Bowls of the world, of course. And my oh, Tecmo Bowls, yes. Uh, WrestleMania circa 1985 from Acclaim Games. Acclaim Games, wow. Yeah, I, when, I, when I get a house that's big enough, man, I, I'm going to ditch the emulator because I really do want the old school. I want a rack in my home with just every, not all of them, because some of them suck. Talking about you, Sega Saturn. Um, oh, oh, that's the trash talk there. There's some, there's some Sega people are hardcore. Respectfully, now I love Sega Genesis, but Sega Saturn. Yeah. Sega Saturn's really, yeah. <laughs> it, took, it was a, it took a tough tumble. It's gone to that big Turbo Graphic 16 in the sky. It's up there. Um, but yeah, I want to rack with all of the consoles, and I want just as many of the games as I can find. Man, that sounds awesome. Are you in like yeah. anything like like pinball or anything like that, or is it just video, video games? No, just 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 video. Um, and I play poker on my Oculus, but <laughs> you know that's a little weird. Cause that sounds sometimes, weird. Sometimes they get racist. And, well, how do wait? How do you have like? Because like, how do you does, it, does that work? You're playing poker. I mean, I understand how poker works in Oculus, but it's VR. It's VR poker, but you get to pick your heavy so people like, know what you so i pick a black dude and then i'll sit down at a table and they'll just tell black jokes while we play poker at three in the morning it vr poker is probably one of the most realistic games because it really does capture the sadness of being in a casino at three in the morning where it's you and five other people from around the globe gambling with fake money <laughs> it ain't fake but it's not a lot <laughs> but you're also uh an like it's an avatar you selected right yeah so it's like yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like i could have been white as an avatar and avoided racism i was like nah give me more <laughs> double down <laughs> more. um uh in 2018 for the new york times uh uh you you have this amazing commentary and story uh and i just want to quote part of it and, and ask you a question about it but you wrote we are a country in flux we are a nation at its best because we are in many ways at our worst but a recent trip through my home state has me hopeful that the country can evolve what gives you hope roy so there was a video of this white guy calling the police. There's a black dude standing in front of a building waiting for a tenant to come down. And the white guy thought he was suspicious. And he calls the police on the kid. But the white guy's child is begging his father to not do it. And then sure enough, father calls the cops. And no less than 30 seconds later, the tenant comes out and invites the black guy in because she really, he really was waiting on someone to come down and get him. The child gives me hope. The actions of the white guy's child, where 
you know, you can, you can police textbooks all you want and take out whatever pieces of history and augment it into whatever narrative you want to teach in the schools, but the streets are still given an education and those classrooms don't close. So for as long as there's people out there that are preaching about what's real and what should be considered and thought of, I think that that's going to permeate the minds of more and more people. Um, you know, they protect the books because that's where the knowledge used to be kept, but now the knowledge is everywhere. So you can augment the books, but you can't augment the internet and the fucking world. I guess you could with some well-placed purchase ads. <laughs> Hydrochloroquine, make sure you drink it now. But, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that virtual poker looks a little different now, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. But, you know, what, what gives me hope are just these moments of positivity in spite of the negativity in places that are extremely negative. You know, that New York Times piece, you know, that came on the heels as well of, you know, a lot of black women, you know, driving people to the polls during a, a special election that got Doug Jones, a Democrat, uh, in ahead of Roy Moore after Jeff, Jeff Sessions, you know, vacated his Senate seat. So, you know, you have this beautiful immaculate you know museum that breaks down the history of lynching and the jim crow south and the mere existence of the equal justice initiative facility in montgomery in alabama alabama greenlit a lynching museum okay not bad let's keep going so you know, there's definitely still a lot of policies and things that are backwards and weird and shouldn't be in place. But I truly do believe that there is, you know, some degree of hope when I see people who do not look like me behaving in ways that I would and caring about others. We do a thing called pick one. I give you uh, choices and you pick one doesn't mean one is better than the other but I'd like to play pick one with you Roy is that cool okay all right the first one uh, I'm not gonna even a, a preface G.I. Joe or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pick one Ninja Turtles okay better cartoon better live action movie I would have gone G.I. Joe but they kind of fumbled the movies though I haven't seen Snake Eyes yet though I consider Snake Eyes kind of a a spinoff kind of thing, which is what they probably should have done with G.I. Joe to begin with. It's just individualized them, then avengered them. Mm -hmm. You know, giving you giving us four or five OG G.I. Joe character story and then the whole G.I. Joe thing. But, you know, but in terms of theme songs, though, I, I would Ninja say they're still Ninja uh, Turtles. You really? Oh, man. I don't know. You know why? Because G.I. Joe changed a couple times. Ninja Turtles never changed. Or did they? I didn't watch the up-to-date Cartoon Network. <laughs> I definitely didn't. But VR one. I was thinking like that, like, G.I. Joe. You know, like the, that story. See? And, but everyone but, knows those songs, too, though. But you know the one I, I appreciate it more, if we we're going to pick G.I. Joe, instead of the eight, the early 80s, I kind of like that late 80s, early 90s on got to get tough joe tough got to get tough yo joe gi joe america's number one foreign fight form fighting against cobra against the evil got to get tough joe tough yo joe 
I also think that might speak more to when we grew up. (laughs) It's just, man, I think because Ninja Turtles was just a more complete song and it had the rapping and, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're the world's most fearsome fighting. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like they had people in background and shit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, and then, okay, going back to video games, I mean, there's some really good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like video games from the 90s. Yeah, yo, Century Plaza Mall, nineteen eighty nine, Diamond and Gems, Video Arcade, Jonathan Effinger's birthday party. His mom rented out the arcade. I didn't even know that you that you could do this. And the guy just gave all of us a bag of tokens, two hours unlimited play, and we fucking took turns beating that Ninja Turtle coin up. And when I tell you that was like, like it was like eight of us all, like as you died, someone else would rotate in to play the next man for you or whatever. And we just all took turns and we finally beat Shredder and yo, that was a fucking, that was, was a top five day in my youth. Oh was man, that Shredder. amazing. Oh, top five, that and Operation Wolf, which is like an OG. Wait, what's Operation Shredder. Wolf? Wolf uh, Operation Wolf was one of those first person shooters where it was bas- you're basically Chuck Norris going through Vietnam. And, and now that I'm older and I understand how they treat vets, it's kind of terrible that this game even existed. And it was like, we didn't go get the troops because we don't respect them. Anyway, it's your job alone to go in there and get the troops. Yo, Joe. And is that one of those like where the perspective is like kind of like it's a top down, but it's like angled and the guy's still kind of br- like, you know. He's walking no, through like it's, it's like looking at it's like you're looking at the it's like it's your eyes so like you could shoot oh, their okay. bullets to keep the bullet from hitting you it's like lethal enforcers or the terminator 2 game the jurassic park games now more present day that like dave and busters and shit. it's the same or like resident evil have you played the resident oh, evil game? Yeah, yeah 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 it's that I but you. in the jungle <laughs> same well setup. even your description i think that's got to be a long time ago <laughs> It sounds oh, like yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can't dude. do that Come today. A, a military POW game? They wouldn't. De- you have to go to Afghanistan. And like, like, what? No, we will not yeah. allow this. Yeah, I mean, I think we haven't. We have another. Maybe in the future we could have another conversation and like break down. Like, I mean, like those like those Commando movies and Rambo and uh, Rambo three specifically. Uh, I mean, there's just some the lone wolf going in. A- take out everybody it's like come on man it's not real (laughs) even now that i'm older i'm like why did i like that (laughs) yeah i read i read somewhere that like guess like first blood there's a cut of it where uh sylvester stallone's character john rambo has like lines and it was so bad that they almost like dropped the movie and sylvester stallone and the producer's like you know what This, this cut my lines i don't need to say all this and that's why it is what it is. It's a you know? brilliant movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> make the the lines were so bad, they had to cut them. <laughs> he didn't even talk to like the end of the movie over the microphone. <laughs> oh, I didn't for this wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Well, Roy, I just want to say it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, I have mad props for you. Respect for what you do. Thank you so much, brother. 
I want to thank Roy for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch Roy Wood Jr. Imperfect Messenger on Comedy Central. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.